What's going on, everybody? My name is Jeremy Cole, and I want to welcome you to an action-packed, exciting episode of the J. Cole Sports Talk podcast. And there is so much breaking news to talk about within the past day or two. You know, NFL, free agency, all these exciting trades going on. The MLB breaking news today. They agreed to a new collective bargaining agreement. The NCAA right now. There's conference tournaments going on. Selection Sunday is just around the corner. The NBA only has one month left of the regular season. I cannot believe how fast the season has gone by. And the NHL also, I'm going to show a little bit of love to my hockey uh, my hockey fans out there. I'm a huge hockey fan. The trade deadline is coming up in just a couple weeks, and there is not much time left in that season either. So with that being said, I'm jumping right into the NFL. As I mentioned, there were some blockbuster trades that happened this week. In the past three days, there have been three different trades that have made headlines all around the U.S. First and foremost, easily the biggest trade of them all, Russell Wilson was traded from his own, his own Seattle Seahawks, the team he has been with, since the beginning, the Legion of Boom, we know Russell Wilson as the, you know, he is the face of the Seahawks organization, but he is no longer a member of the Seattle Seahawks. He was traded to the Denver Broncos, and the, the trade details are Russell Wilson in a fourth-round pick for quarterback Drew Locke, tight end Noah Fant, defensive lineman Shelby Harris, two first-rounders, two second-rounders, and a fifth-rounder. And this trade has some massive, massive league-wide implications, or really, I would just say, well, yeah, league-wide, but almost more conference-wide implications, because you look at kind of what the AFC West is working with now, and you have the Chiefs, obviously a powerhouse led by Patrick Mahomes. You have the Chargers, Justin Herbert, a rising star in the NFL. They are an exciting team. You now have the Denver Broncos, who have a very tough defense, a great offensive line, and they now have their franchise quarterback in Russell Wilson. And last, you know, last but, you know, I guess least, but the, you know, the least exciting team in the division is the Raiders, who, you know, made the playoffs this past year and gave the Bengals a good fight in the wild card round. And, you know, they're led by Derek Carr, but the AFC West is loaded now. And, you know, overall, when I'm analyzing this trade, it's, I don't really know exactly who I would say won this trade. I think Seattle got a lot in return for him, and at least in those first rounders and second rounders. And they got, you know, I don't love Drew Locke too much. I do really like Noah Fant, a young tight end. I think he's a, a rising talent, at least at that position. But I think Denver got what they wanted in their franchise quarterback to lead an explosive offense with Jerry Judy and Corlin Sutton. I think they'll be very exciting to watch. And I think Seattle's starting to kind of enter their rebuild again. Um, you know, it'll be really interesting to see what their team is like this coming season. I've already seen that they're listening to other offers for wide receiver Tyler Lockett. I doubt they'll ship out DK Metcalf too. But, you know, they're kind of you know, jumping ship a little bit and trying to figure out what their next era of their team will look like without Russell Wilson. And, you know, this move is also for Denver. This is a pretty, I would almost say a win now move, similar to what we saw with the Rams this past season. Denver is getting rid of a lot of their trade assets and draft, you know, draft assets in order to pick up that franchise quarterback. But, you know, you got to give to get in with a trade like this to pick up someone of the you know caliber of a quarterback like Russell Wilson. So overall, I think I would like or I like what Denver got compared to what, you know, Seattle got at least in the state of their franchises are now completely turned around for both of these teams. And, you know, Seattle won't be doing anything exciting soon. And Denver should be doing very, very exciting things this season. 
So that was the first trade of the week, a blockbuster, massive trade. And the next trade, you know, not as big of a trade, but still definitely worth mentioning. Carson Wentz was traded from the Indianapolis Colts to the Washington Commanders. And this is the first time I'm officially talking about the Washington Commanders. And, you know, first of all, their name is, I think it's decent. Um, you know, their logo and design and everything, it's not bad. I honestly did like the football team a little bit. I think it kind of had a, you know, cool old school ring to it. But I think Commanders is pretty good, especially going, you know, with that DC vibe and all that stuff out in there or out there in DC, you know, patriotic America, all that, you know, Commanders, I think it's pretty good. Now they have their Commander Carson leading them at quarterback. And the trade was Carson Wentz in a second rounder for one second round pick, one third round pick, and then a conditional third rounder that can turn into a second rounder, depending whether or not Carson Wentz plays 70% of snaps this upcoming season, which I believe he should. So it's a really Wentz in a second rounder for two second rounders and a third rounder. And, you know, overall, it's, you know, I think it's a decent trade for Washington. I liked Heineke last year and I, you know, I was rooting for him and hopefully was wishing that he'd be able to lead the team this year again and hopefully improve. Uh, but picking up Carson Wentz is definitely an improvement. But, you know, it's not like he's a incredible quarterback or someone that's going to elevate their franchise to a whatever Super Bowl contending team or you know they maybe are a, I don't even think I would say they're a borderline playoff team at this point either but you know they'll be interesting to watch just trying to see what you know this is kind of a career defining year now for Wentz uh, especially after kind of a rocky year in Indianapolis and the Colts are now quarterbackless though so they kind of they kind of put themselves in a tough position with this trade but you know overall I think they got a decent return for him but the you know the bigger question mark is now what is their plan for their quarterback position and for the past i believe 5 years the colts have had a different starting quarterback week 1 you know for the past 5 years and so there's not much stability over there in indianapolis and we'll see what they decide to do in terms of a quarterback and there's not a deep quarterback pool in this year's draft so i'm not exactly sure what could happen maybe more trades to come or something but you know that's the Carson Wentz trade, not blockbuster, but definitely a big trade. And then the newest trade that's actually breaking news today is that Khalil Mack on, you know, he's actually on the Bears. He's not on the Raiders as he previously was, but from the Bears, Khalil Mack was traded to the Los Angeles Chargers. And I am a fan of the Chargers. I'm not a massive, huge, huge diehard fan, but I've been a pretty fair weather fan my entire life. I have some San Diego roots in me and, you know, we traveled down there to Qualcomm handful of times during my childhood and I've always been a Chargers fan but I love this trade they gave up a second rounder and a sixth rounder not a crazy you know crazy assets given in return for Khalil Mack but now you pair Khalil Mack with Joey Bosa and that has to be the two best uh the two best pass rushers on any defensive line in the NFL so I really like what the Chargers are doing trying to load up a little bit and spend as much as they can on you know, money and salary. They just signed Mike Williams to a pretty expensive deal too, but they're trying to spend all the money they can while Herbert is still on his rookie deal to just maximize their, you know, their assets around Herbert. And I think it's a pretty smart move and I love the Khalil Mack pickup as well. But that's, you know, those were the three big trades that have happened uh, in the past three days. And there's definitely going to be more to come. Uh, this off season is very exciting. You know, some other in you know, interesting stuff that has happened thus far Aaron Rodgers announced that he's actually staying in Green Bay, despite his very cryptic Instagram post, you know, however long ago that was. Um, and they franchise tagged Devontae Adams. So 
Green Bay, you know, their franchise is still in good spirits right now. We'll see how long of a deal Rodgers is signing with them. There were reports that it was a four-year deal, and then he came out and said that is not fully true. So we'll see exactly what happens with that. But Green Bay should be a contender again still out of the NFC as long as they don't choke in the playoffs. But, you know, we'll see what happens. And then the last kind of storyline I really want to discuss is the whole Calvin Ridley situation. If you didn't know about this wide receiver Calvin Ridley for the Atlanta Falcons, he decided not to play for almost the entirety of the past year in the NFL due to some mental health problems. And I totally respect whenever people are going through mental problems and need their time and need their space away from whatever's going on in their life, except Calvin Ridley got busted for (laughs) sports betting on the Falcons and was suspended for a full year. So, you know, it's really tough for me to sympathize with them I can you know I can sympathize whenever someone's talking about a mental health battle or whatever it might be but then when they during that mental health battle turn out to be doing illegal activity and betting on their own team that is something I cannot give an excuse for or I can't I just can't excuse that and Ridley will now be missing out on the entirety of the next season um so that was pretty stupid by him you know he said it was only a $1,200 bet but you know the whole point is the principle about betting um But then, you know, I saw a lot of people talking about the differences about, you know, how is it fair if, you know, there's domestic abuse, whatever's going on in the NFL, there's a lot of that issues, players only get suspended a couple games and they're back on an NFL roster in the same season versus a guy like Calvin Ridley bet, you know, pocket change to a millionaire wide receiver like him and he gets banned for a season and that's just kind of the rules and, you know, they might be a little twisted and odd or whatever you want to call them, but It is what it is, and Calvin Ridley will not be playing in the 2022-23 NFL season. The last thing, you know, I I touched on the AFC West a little bit, but the bigger picture of these trades that we now have seen, especially with Russell Wilson, I said the AFC West is now insane. The AFC, when you look at it, is so much stronger now than the NFC. It's kind of ridiculous. You know, just going down the top quarterbacks, when you look at the AFC, of course you have Mahomes, you have Josh Allen, you have Joe Burrow, you have Justin Herbert, you have Lamar Jackson, and now you have Russell Wilson as well. And then you look at the a- or the NFC, and there's really only pretty much only one and a half or two or three quarterbacks that you could even say are in that conversation with all of those previous players I said. Of course, there's Aaron Rodgers. You now have Super Bowl champion Matt Stafford. Kyler Murray has been, you know, he's back on the Cardinals. Social media is fine. None of that controversy, whatever was going on. Kyler Murray, and you have Dak Prescott. And besides that, they really don't have a lot of top-tier quarterback talent. Um, and it just like looks like the AFC is now so much, so much stronger than the NFC, especially after this Russell Wilson trade. But be on the lookout for a lot more stuff going on in the NFL. I'll continue to update if there's any exciting trades or signings, free agency, you know, all that good stuff. I'll definitely continue to jot that down and note uh, or let you guys know about it in my next podcast. But moving on from the NFL... The MLB is officially back, and today they agreed to a brand new collective bargaining agreement ending a 99-day lockout, and it is a five-year deal. And the biggest, you know, the biggest details are, you know, yeah, I guess just the details of this deal now are the competitive balance tax, and that's basically the salary tax for the MLB because obviously, you know, it's kind of a... You know, salary tax or salary cap is a little interesting or different in the MLB based on the market size of teams and blah, blah, blah. But the competitive balance tax increases 
from 230 million to 244 million over these five years. The minimum salary for players with less than three years of experience went from 570,000 to 700,000, and that will grow up to 780,000 over five years. So I'm, you know, I appreciate that the young people that are trying to join the MLB and, you know, they're still making or they still were making 500 grand, except when you see the proportional revenue increase over the past couple of years, it's good that they're going to be making more money too. There's going to be a bonus pool of $50 million distributed amongst those younger players who have yet to reach a salary arbitration, and that is $50 million that was not even existent before. So I think that's good. They expanded the playoffs to 12 teams, which probably is one of the more controversial changes in this new CBA. Uh, uniforms will actually have some advertisements on them now. You know, that's interesting. Just another way to, for the MLB to make more money. The, one of my favorite ones, probably the best one, is now that there's finally a universal DH. That is going to be great. Thank God pitchers don't have to hit the ball anymore. Um, and they are ending the extra inning runner on base rule. And if you didn't know exactly what that was, if games went to extra innings last year, they would, you know, both teams would start their inning or start their, you know, their time at bat with a runner on second base. And, you know, it led to some very interesting situations, but they're ending that. I think that's a good change. And then the MLB also now has 45 days to implement other changes. They were talking about a pitch clock, maybe a ban on shifts, which, you know, I don't know how much I love that. Uh, I saw larger bases as well. And the season will officially start in early April. And that's pretty much all, but it's massive, massive news today coming out of the MLB. And free agency is now officially underway. So I know general managers are on the phones going crazy today, and they will be doing overtime for the next couple weeks. And I'll be sure to let you know about exciting MLB free agency stuff going on too, just like the NFL. Moving on now, the NCAA basketball, you know, conference tournaments are now underway. I want to shout out my Indiana Hoosiers for an incredible comeback victory this morning against the Michigan Wolverines. They came back. I, you know, honestly, I didn't watch most of it. It was pretty damn early here. It started at 8.30 a.m. because it was an 11.30 start in Indianapolis. And I watched most of the second half. And it was an incredible, incredible comeback. And I'm proud of my Indiana Hoosiers. I am pretty confident that this comeback win will solidify them a spot in March Madness. You never know what could happen, especially tomorrow. They're playing the number one seeded, uh, you know, University of Illinois, and that is a tough team to play against. If they get blown out, that is not a good look. But if they keep it close, I'm pretty confident they have some great wins this year uh, against some very tough-ranked opponents that are will for sure be in the NCAA tournament. And Selection Sunday is just around the corner. I have a lot planned talking about March Madness um, coming next week. I want to preview every single round give you some of my predictions whether they will be right or wrong i'm not going to say that but plenty of uh ncaa basketball stuff coming up right around the corner be on the lookout for that conference tournament stuff you know we are now in march and we've been in march for over a week so you know this is where the magic happens in basketball and in the ncaa so i'm very very excited to see what happens there that's kind of all I really want to say about NCAA and, you know, March Madness and stuff right now. Next week is when I will really get that going. Um, but next, I wanted to transition and talk about the NBA, because I said earlier, there is actually only one month left in the entire regular season, because playoffs are starting April 10th, and it is March 10th currently. And there are about 15 games, give or take, remaining. You know, some have a little more, some have a little less. And it's pretty crazy how fast that the season has gone by. 
But currently, the state of the NBA playoffs, it's very interesting when you compare the two conferences, because if you start on the West side of things, the top six are pretty locked up. You know, the Suns have already clinched. They did that very recently, I believe yesterday, the day before. They're the first team in the NBA to clinch. They're having an amazing, amazing season. You know, then you have the Grizzlies, the Warriors, the Jazz, the Mavericks, and the Nuggets, and none of these teams will drop out of the top six. I am fully, fully confident. That is a guarantee for me. Um, None of these teams will be dropping out of the top six. They are pretty much set in stone. And then, honestly, seven and eight in the Timberwolves and the Clippers probably shouldn't change either because with only 15 games remaining, the Clippers in the eighth seed have a a five-and-a-half game lead on the Lakers in the ninth seed, and I don't anticipate the Clippers losing, you know, however many that they would need to lose in order for the Lakers to overtake them. And I think both of these teams will be a lock for play-in spots. But, you know, the interesting part, and when you look at the West, the interesting part of the NBA playoff picture is 100% the 9 and the 10 spots for the play-in. And the Lakers are currently, like, you know, barely clinging on to that ninth seed. They have looked really, really bad as of late. I am happy I am not a Lakers fan right now. They are in some deep, deep trouble The Pelicans are right behind them with the 10th seed, but then the Blazers and Spurs are just a couple games behind them, and with the way the Lakers have been playing, they could go on a really bad skid to end the season, and they somehow could lose their play-in spot, Uh, but definitely take a look at kind of that 9-10 play-in spot situation. That's really what's going to be interesting down the stretch with these 15 games remaining, and honestly, the top eight in the West are pretty locked up at this point. When you look at the East, it is a f- way, way tighter conference because in the West, the Suns are pretty far ahead of the competition. And, you know, when you compare the one seed of the Suns to the Mavs or the Nuggets as the five and the six seed, there is a massive double digit games back gap between the first and the fifth and sixth seeds. But when you look at the Eastern Conference, the top six seeds are only separated by five games. And those top six seeds are the Heat. Currently, the Heat are holding the number one spot. You have the Bucks, you have the Sixers, the Bulls, Celtics, and Cavs. And the Cavs have slid a lot since the first half of the season, kind of expected. Um, But these teams are very, very close right now, and they are definitely going to be battling for some home court advantage. I don't think that any of these teams will drop out of the top six. Um, you know, the Celtics are playing some incredible basketball right now. The Heat are playing great too. Sixers are on the rise with the Harden trade. The Bulls are actually on kind of a skid. So I would be on the lookout for the Bulls and the Cavs as well to maybe drop out. And I don't see anything happening with the Bucks really either. But, you know, the battle for home court will definitely be a real thing in the East. But these top six seeds are, they're pretty locked up, but they're so damn close that they could shift around, you know, very, very easily. The other thing is the 7 through 10 seeds in the East are only separated by four games. Excuse me. And these four teams are the Raptors, the Nets. You know, they're having a really, really tough time right now. They've been on a big skid, but KD is back. So that is, you know, they are trending up, especially if something happens with, you know, the vaccine mandate and Kyrie can start playing home games. That would be huge for them. Um, And then the Hornets and the Hawks round out the 9 and the 10. And these four teams are only separated by four games, but then behind them, the Wizards are a game and a half back of the play-in, and the Knicks are three and a half games back for the play-in. So, you know, these seeds could also shift around a lot similar to the top six seeds as well. So there is a lot that needs to be seen um, or yet to be seen in the East in terms of the playoff uh, outlook, but 
you know, I think the Nets are going to 100% start trending up as we get to the end of the season, as long as they stay healthy and KD can do his thing. Um, and, then, you know, I would sure as hell not want to see the Nets in a play-in game. We know how lethal Kevin Durant is in clutch playoff situations. So we'll see exactly what happens here. But this, you know, the East is so, so tight in terms of how many games separate each team. Top six seeds are so close. And then seven through ten are so close as well. So be on the lookout to see kind of what happens with that home court situation. Um, and especially because, you know, these top six seeds are only separated by five games. You got to see who's going to be the four and the five, right? That's going to be a really, really important distinction between which teams are playing each other. Right now would be Bulls Celtics, but Bulls have home court. You know, that shifts around. That's very, very important to look at. You know, pretty similar in the West too between, uh, I believe, the Jazz and the Mavericks. I think there's a couple game gap there too. But, you know, that shouldn't shift too much in the West, but the East could change like crazy within the next uh, the next month because there's only 15 games remaining or about 15 games remaining. The other thing I want to talk about with the NBA as we approach the end of the regular season are I want to give my picks for the awards with one month left. And the MVP, it's, you know, there were a lot of different candidates that kind of rose to the top throughout this year. You had John Morant doing his thing. You had DeMar DeRozan making a case, even Steph earlier in the season before his slump. Giannis was always in the conversation. And Bede had an incredible season and is, you know, making his case for an MVP. I believe he's the favorite right now. But my pick has to be Nikola Jokic going back to back. He is doing some incredible things for his team this season, despite the fact that their second and third best player on their team have been out for almost the entirety of the season in uh, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. And he has held them afloat and not as he held them afloat. They're, you know, they're the, uh, excuse me, they're the sixth seed right now in the West, but the West has some damn good talent, but he is putting on an incredible season and I'm picking Jokic over Embiid. This is a, you know, tale as old as time, Jokic or Embiid. And just mainly because of the fact that the, the Ma- or sorry, the Nuggets have been without their top or their second and third best players. I have to go with Jokic here over Embiid. You know, obviously the Sixers dealt with all their Ben Simmons drama this year, but now he's got Harden on his team. And, you know, all things considered, the supporting cast of the Nuggets is far worse alongside Jokic than it is with Embiid. So I have to go with Jokic for this one, but it could go either way, honestly. Rookie of the year is really between Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes, and Cade Cunningham. Cade Cunningham has had a massive rise in stock, you know, in the past couple months as he's gotten, you know, more experience, a little more whatever under his belt. He's definitely settling into his role in the NBA. Scotty Barnes started the season off hot, but I think I have to pick Evan Mobley here. His impact on both sides of the floor, you have to respect how big of an impact he makes defensively. Even as a rookie, he's already putting up some great defensive stats. And then on offense, too, they kind of got some twin tower actions with Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. And I just think Evan Mobley kind of has that it factor of someone that is going to be a defensive force, almost like a you know Rudy Gobert Jr. coming up, rising up. And I think I'm going with Mobley here. You know, I could easily give it to Scotty Barnes. He's had an incredible season, too, and has really helped the Raptors out, especially because the Raptors are in a playoff spot right now, and that is huge. But the Cavs have had an incredibly surprising season this year, and that is in large part due to the performance of Evan Mobley. So that's who I'm picking. Most improved player. This one's kind of not even close, honestly. It has to go to Ja Morant. If Ja was possibly going to be in that MVP conversation, he may, or, you know, he is in that MVP conversation. But he doesn't really compare to Jokic or Embiid. And 
you know, if he somehow is able to lock up MVP, he's, uh, he won't, but if he could have, he could have taken home the MVP and most improved in the exact same season. And there's, I doubt there's anyone else that's ever done that before in history. But, you know, most improved has to be given to Jaw. He's been incredible this season. Uh, the Grizzlies right now are probably the biggest surprise team alongside the Cavs this year. And they're the second in the West right now. You know, uh, it's kind of weird. I would not be too afraid of meeting the Grizzlies in a first-round matchup. You know, as my Clippers, I would not be too afraid of that matchup because I don't think they're too intimidating, at least. But Jaw has had an incredible, incredible season. He is one of the most exciting players to watch, and I love his game. So most improved, Jaw, definitely. Sixth man of the year is kind of like most improved. I don't think it's very close at all. I think this is going to Tyler Hero for sure. He's been such a good spark off the bench for the Heat. You know, big reason they're number one in the East right now. He's putting up some great numbers off the bench. Um, and, you know, he's kind of a great spark plug, or not kind of. He is a great spark plug for the Heat. So, six man of the year, Tyler Hero. Defensive player of the year. This one's a three-horse race between Rudy Gobert, of course. Giannis is always in the conversation, too. And then third is Bam Adebayo, and now, you know, of the Miami Heat. Obviously, we know who Bam is and how good he can be. And this is a pretty tough one for me to choose. I really don't know what I have to pick here. This one is kind of a toss-up, and I don't know, honestly, who my pick is, because all three of these guys are very, very deserving. Um, and so this one's pretty tough, but if I had to pick, you know, Gobert is the easy choice, but I feel like I kind of want to air with the sign on, or air with Giannis on this one. And maybe pick a little bit of a interesting pick, I guess. But, you know, any of these three guys could win this for sure. And it is a very, very tight race. Gobert is the favorite right now. But, you know, the, you know, it could go a variety of ways between these three guys. They're all incredible, you know, pretty much generational defensive talents. And then last but not least, the coach of the year. It has to be Monty Williams. I mean, the Suns have just put up an incredible season and, you know, they're easily going to be the number one team across the entire NBA and their record. They're the first team to clinch the playoffs. Monty has proved, you know, year again or another year in a row that he is an incredible NBA coach. And he has led his NBA, excuse me, he has led his Phoenix Suns to another great, great season. And he will lead them to the first seed in the West, no question, in the first seed in the NBA. So Monty is a great, great coach, very deserving of the coach of the year. So with that, that's kind of really all I have to say about the NBA. When you know we approach the playoffs and we start talking about playoff matchups, I'll have a lot more interesting stuff to talk about. I just kind of wanted to give a little state of the you know what the playoff picture looks like right now, um, and discuss some, you know those regular season awards. And that's really all I have to say. Um, and you know, good luck to the Lakers. But that's basically it. And I'm moving last but not least on to my you know my NHL hockey love. I gotta give them a shout out too. Trade deadline is approaching on March 21st, and there's about 25 games remaining in the regular season. So, you know, there's 10 more than the NBA, and those two, you know, schedules are kind of always in sync as we approach playoffs and stuff like that. You know, when it's NBA and NHL playoff time is my favorite uh, favorite sports time of the year. I love being able to go from an NHL playoff game to an NBA playoff game. The intensity is so good, and I don't think anything beats NHL playoffs either. But there's about 25 games remaining and a little brief playoff picture for you. Starting in the East, you know, the top three teams, if you're not too familiar at least, the way playoffs work in the NHL is there is an East and a West. And within each or within the East and the West, there are two divisions. And the top three teams of each division 
lock up a playoff spot, and then there are two wild card sl- spots given out to whoever of the two, uh, you know, the two divisions within the East or the West have, you know, the next amount or next highest point total. So, you know, you look at the Atlantic division and the Panthers, Lightning, and Leafs are currently the ones holding the playoff spots in the Atlantic. And the Metropolitan division, the Hurricanes, Rangers, and Penguins are the three teams in playoff positioning right now. And then the wild card are the Bruins and the Capitals. But very interesting, the East, you know, the closest team to the Capitals for that second wild card spot, which is basically the eighth seed, you know, for the NBA playoffs, you could say. The closest team to the Capitals is 13 points behind. And again, if you're not too familiar, a win in the NHL is two points and an overtime loss is one point. So, you know, there are six and a half games back with 25 games remaining. So, you know, a lot could still shift if a team goes on a run. We saw what happened a couple years ago with the Blues having an insane end of the regular season to, you know, I believe that was the year they won the Stanley Cup. They had a ridiculous run to end the season to make the playoffs. But, you know, the East is kind of more similar to the NBA West, that it should be pretty locked up. There's a big gap there versus, you know, in the NHL, the Western Conference, the Central Division has the Avalanche, Blues, and Wild in the lead. And then the Pacific has the Flames, my LA Kings in the second seed, the Knights in the third seed. But the Wild Card is insanely, insanely close when you look at it. The Predators and Stars are currently in those two wildcard spots with 68 and 67 points, respectively. But then, you know, the team closest to that second wildcard spot is the Oilers, and they're one point behind the Dallas Stars. The Canucks are then three points behind the Dallas Stars, and the Ducks are four points behind the Stars. So the West could shift like crazy down the stretch, and it really will come down to who can hold their playoff spot and, you know, whether or not another team goes on a massive run, especially when you have those interdivisional games, you know, a game between, you know, the Oilers and the Knights right now could be the decision maker down to the stretch at the end of the season. You know, if there's a tiebreaker and they have that most recent game win, that is a big, big thing for them because it works slightly different than, you know, the games back uh, in the games, you know, in the NBA, how you have whatever a team and if they beat you, you know, it's one game, but then if it's a win and a loss, it's more than that. Um, and it's similar in the NHL how, you know, if the Oilers were to beat the the Knights, you know, they're getting two points, but they're denying two points from the Knights as well. So that's almost like a two-game jump right there. But it will be very, very interesting to watch the wild card race down the stretch in the West. It is so, so close. But I just pray to God that my LA Kings hold strong. They're having an incredible season. They have to be the most exciting um, you know, storyline team of the year. They are playing some great, great hockey, and I would kill to be able to go to some more playoff hockey back in, you know, crypto arena or staples. You know, I love watching playoff hockey and seeing my Kings. So, you know, very, very exciting coming down the stretch of the NHL, 25 games remaining, and I'll definitely talk some more about that trade deadline when it happens. That still is just over a week away, and I believe I will do a trade deadline special right on Monday, the 21st, and we'll preview more about what's going on with the NHL playoff picture. But, you know, with that, 
that's really all I wanted to talk about. I tried to get all this information in fast. I apologize if I was, you know, going really, really fast topic to topic, but I had a lot to talk about between the NFL trades and free agency, MLB's collective bargaining agreement, NCAA, obviously March Madness right around the corner, NBA's got a month left talking about the playoffs and regular season awards, and then I had to touch upon my, uh, you know, my love for some hockey and give the, you know, brief playoff picture as we head closer to the trade deadline with 25 games remaining. So with that, I wanted to thank you again. This was, you know, probably one of my more favorite podcasts to record because I was able to touch on such a variety of sports and I love all each and every sport individually. And, you know, I love staying educated and up to date on everything going on in every single sport right now. So, you know, with that, I really appreciate it if you made it this far or listened at all. And I really hope you guys have a great Friday tomorrow and a great weekend. And please be on the lookout for some very, very exciting conference tournament NCAA basketball, as well as some free agency news in the MLB. It should start popping off this afternoon. Same with the NFL, NBA. I mean, it is a great, great time to be a sports fan. And I would love to keep you guys entertained and informed as we keep or as we continue down this, uh, you know, down the month of March. So with that, thank you so much and have a great day.